I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my good bud, Chief John Salka. And uh, hey, John, I got to start off today by today was haircut day. I'm telling you, I just, you know, I never thought when I was a kid that I would love getting a haircut as much as I get now. But man, oh man, I love going to the barber. I know that sounds geeky. You, you but... and me both, man. It's like the highlight of my day when I get a haircut. I guess we all get a little bit old when, <laughs> when, when we're excited about a haircut. But uh, yeah, I, I always feel real good when I'm when I'm when I'm marching out of the uh, marching out of the barber shop after a haircut. You know. <laughs> hey, uh, but but before we go any further, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another big piece of news that we did not talk about the last time. Uh oh. Uh oh. My son, my son James, Captain James Salka, United States Marine Corps, is back home. He's home. He's home from oh. Afghanistan, and he's back home in North Carolina, safe and sound. Another, another, another deployment uh, uh, down, under, and under he's, his belt. Under he's his safe belt. and sound. And uh, yep, I told you. We're happy. Didn't want to do nothing, nothing to, you know, talk too much about. I just wanted to express my uh, my pleasure with him being home and satisfaction, and him being safe, and all those all those people were safe too. I had a couple of conversations with him, and uh, he shared that information with me. A couple of guys got a little banged up, some some casualties, but nothing serious. And only one guy got sent home uh, during during the deployment. Everybody else uh, went back to work, and uh, so they're all doing good. And he's with uh, Mar is it called Marsoc? Is that what it is there? Marsoc is the is the it's like SOC. It's like Special Operations, Marine Special Operations. He is a raider. He is a captain. He's a, a raider, which is the Marine equivalent of uh, a Navy SEAL, and uh, they're very very active. Very. They do a lot of work when they're deployed. Well, just tell, just remind James, I've known him for a long time, obviously, with you. Just remind him that as he works his way up through the ranks, just to remember us little people, like yes. Rick Lasky down here in Texas. When, when he I gets come. to the top. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, um, you've got a great volunteer department. You're currently chief again. You've got, you, you, you brag on your guys, you brag on your officers, you brag on the department as you should. Um, cool place. I've been there. Cool rigs, everything else. And, 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 and some... Some guys, you, you've got just like every other fire department. You've got like new guys with no experience. You got guys that've been, you know, they're FDNY like 30, 40 year guys, and everything in between. Um, uh, I, I know conversations pop up once in a while there, especially on training nights and that. But you and I talked before. Uh, we did a show earlier. As the first line goes, so so goes the fire, and the importance of the the initial attack line or whatever. But you know, what we never really got we never really hit hard on was uh, the nozzle team, you know, the actual team, whether it's two people or three or whatever, you've got stretching at hose. We, you know, we talked about, you know, John getting the line and getting it off quick and doing that stuff, but we really didn't focus on the nozzle team and the goods and bads and the do's and don'ts, you know? Right. Right. And you know, you're right. You know, talk about engine operation, talk about the first line, talk about stretching hose line, the attack hose line. Those are all interesting topics. And the nozzle team, 
is just a part of that. So what's interesting about the nozzle team is they're part of the stretch. They're part of the whole selection. They're part of flaking it out. They're part of going up the stairs or hoisting it up with a rope. And then, then they have a second whole really important job, which is once they got water, advancing in and moving in and, and nozzle techniques and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So nozzle and backup or nozzle backup and, you know, the third guy uh, or whoever that might be, however many you have, lots of places to go in with a firefighter and an officer, lots of places to go in with two firefighters and an officer. So uh, we, we, we can address all of that, but, but it's a pretty, not complex, but a pretty task laden, a task laden assignment being in that nozzle team. Yeah. Well, and, and you and I have watched the, we're big YouTube fans. I mean, it's kind of funny. We've come full circle. We mentioned this before. There was a time where like, get off those computers, get off those phones, get out and stretch, you know, and now, it, you know, it serves as such a great training tool, um, you know, to be able to, you know, to see that in the, in the helmet cam videos, guys, all the stuff guys are posting when you're going, wow, they're stretching good. They're doing good. They're quick. And then, and then John, and, 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 and it always comes back, I guess, to leadership and training. And, you know, you and I have never, ever been critical of someone's stretch. You know, we try to stay away from, you know, doing what, what frustrates us when other people just jump on there, right? They're like, you know, they're like, yeah, it's, it's, well, sons of bitches and all this. And they start cursing. These are firefighters talk about that. And then they go, and it's Obama's fault. And then, it, you know, they always got to serve Obama or something, which is probably true. But, you know, that being said, you know, YouTube is really, I mean, I know you get frustrated like I do. And we see sometimes the engine pull up and it's like, golly, man, how long does it take, first of all, to stretch the line and get off the rig? But, but more importantly, to be effective with it once it's off the rig to be, you know, I mean, it's one thing to dump it on the ground. It's another thing to be able to stretch it appropriately and work together as a team. Right. I mean, it's really, you know, a hose line operation, you know, for a structural fire, for an interior firefight is really a two, it's really a two phase uh, operation. And the first phase is like, like we said, unassing the rig, selecting what line you're going to pull. Cause some folks get different light pre-connects, even though they get pre-connects, right. Or they may even have a dead load off the back for a long stretch into a motel or something. Right. But, Getting off the rig, selecting your line, pulling it. That's the actual stretch, the dry stretch, right? That's, that's the whole operation. Around corners, around vehicles, tires, around fence posts, et cetera, et cetera. Flaking it out, getting ready, calling for water, wherever you're going to do that. Um, and then the firefighting is, is another whole totally separate tactical operation that, that no components are the same as the stretch. It's another, it's another whole separate section, which is – so I'm not going to call it complex. But it's, but it's busy. There's a lot of little things to remember there. There's a lot of things that, that you got to hit your mark, that you got to get right to get to get that line in operation. And then once you hit the door to the to the room that's on fire, that's that's another whole, not quite a third section, but it, it's it's the, the the culmination of all those other little steps finally resulting you being at that point between the burned and the unburned and opening the line and trying to make everything unburned, you know. All right, well, for, I'll say so. Okay, so for our listeners, and I know it varies because we've done this in class before, terminology-wise, you know, we, we you know, FDNY's, uh, you know, got the nozzle back up, they have control, all that stuff, where a lot of other fire departments that may be only running like a company officer and a firefighter, maybe a third firefighter's going to have the nozzle man, you know, he or she had the nozzle and they're, they're, they're going to have the heel, you know, whatever. Talk real quick terminology, John, you know, and I mean, maybe- I, I like, obviously I like what the FDMY does is just what I've been used to doing, but it's very, it's, it's internationally acceptable, right? Nozzle and backup or nozzle and heel man or pipe man and heel man. I mean, there's all these different terms. 
they're all very understandable to anybody. If somebody said, oh, I'm the pipe man and he's my heel man, I know it's the nozzle and backup. So nozzle, backup, pipe, heel, whatever you want to say, you know, and I usually, I generally use the terms nozzle and backup. Those are all very understandable. So, Beyond real, those two, that's when it gets confusing. Right, real quick. So, so and I'm, I'm asking this for it. Describe for our audience, you know, you know nozzle, uh, backup, right? What, what's control? You know, in the FDNY, it's nozzle backup door control. So you get the nozzle door. firefighter, the backup firefighter. Then you got the door firefighter who obviously stays at the door. That would be the front door to the house and feed line in as the nozzle team went in. Or if it was a third floor apartment, they'd be up on the third floor at the apartment door, which is the same thing as the front door of a house. And they'd be pushing the line into the team that went in. So just to be real clear with everybody, any hose line stretching into any residential structure, one or two story house or even an apartment building, from the, from the apartment door into the, into the apartment, that's a two firefighter job. Now, some places have an officer accompanying them. Some places, the officer is one of the two people. Well, but you should never be with three or four people in there, meaning firefighters. If it's an officer and two firefighters, that's about as big as a crowd as you need crawling right, through right. the apartment. And I was just going to say that. That's like, and, and, you know, aside from, uh, you know, the, the, the Sears Roebuck uh, Pez Dispenser Fire Department with surplus firefighters look after you. <laughs> we still just sent two firefighters in with the officer and the other two are outside. That's true. Know? That's true. That's true. So, 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 but let, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that team. You know, we're talking nozzle team here. Um, in most cases, it's going to be the company office. In most places, you know, all our surveys have showed us that the, the, out of all the fire departments across the country, the the majority of the crews that respond to the engine are three person crews. There's a lot of twos. There's some ones that they just get there with the rig and assemble people when they get there. Right. And there's and some I've done down there in North Charleston is a three person crew. And they occasionally, occasionally they have four. Occasionally Brian's got a got a, a coworker, another firefighter back there with him. But most of the time it, it's the boss, the driver, and him. And it's it's the captain and Brian pushing yeah, it yeah, with exactly. the line. And we're so we're talking someplace with four and five, but then all right, so let's knock the driver out of there. So we're down to four. Let's 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 talk a three-member company here. Your driver's bumping that leaves you your company officer and your firefighter. Let's talk about stretching the line with them and, and what they have to do to communicate. And let me ask you this real quick before you even start. And I, I guess I guess there's a couple ways to look at this, but I want to ask your opinion because we've talked about this in class. You know, I've never I've never wanted my engine officer to be the one on the nozzle controlling the nozzle if he has a firefighter. And there's a lot of disputes about that, about, well, you know, if there's only two of us, is he the one humping hose or pushing hose? You know, so if you've got two guys on the, on the line, do you want the officer on the nozzle and have the, 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 the younger firefighter pushing hose for him and do what they got to do? Or do you want the other way? What, first of all, what's your feelings on that? Let's talk positioning. Well, the first, I don't want to call it a problem, but the first question you got to answer there is, is, what else is going on? For example, a Newburgh, City of Newburgh Fire Department, not far from where I live, paid, paid career department, they roll in with the same thing. Captain up in the front seat, firefighter in the back, and, a, and an engineer. And they stop at the hydrant on the way in. And the firefighter jumps off the rig, gets on the back step. They got a big metal ring connected to the, connected to the hose that's coming okay, off the supply okay. line. He takes that metal ring, drops it right over the hydrant, with, along with the hydrant kit, and the rig drives away. And he hooks it up, and he connects – and, you know, test the hydrant while that rig drives away. It drives a, you know, like the two down the block. Describe the, the metal ring. Is, is metal ring is just something they did easy. Some people do it with rope. Some people, remember we used to just key the hydrant? Yeah, so the hose. The, the hose itself around and, and put the, the coupling underneath the other right. part. Well, now they, they just, they got a metal ring, which just makes it easier. It's a one, 
it's a one movement thing. You pull the metal ring off, you drop it over the hydrant, done. That metal so the, ho ring is the hose is wrapped. The hose is wrapped around the ring to that metal ring, like, right. like it used to be the rope. Exactly. So okay. now it's a one. It's a one action movement, and now we can pay attention to turning the hydrant, taking the cap off, checking it, make sure it's good. Then he connects, and by the time he does that, they're down in position. I believe the captain gets off and puts a puts a hose clamp on the on the back the back step. Okay. He turns the water on. And, and runs the water down the block. The captain pulls the nozzle, goes to the front door. Now, he, he's not going to be calling for water and starting the attack, but for, but for a, a piece of the operation, the captain's got the nozzle, and he's pulling, actually pulling the attack hose line, flaking it out a little bit. By the time the firefighter gets down there, the engineer, if he's real quick and connects the disc, you know, connects to the inlet and lets, and lets the hose clamp go, they might even have water in the line by the time the firefighter gets back from the hydrant. So the, the example there is that the that the firefighter's not even available to pull the nozzle off because he's busy at the hydrant. Places right, right. that run in and somebody else lays them a supply line, they're, they're both getting off the rig together. The officer may defer right to the, to the nozzle firefighter, say, you pull a line and I'm right behind you. You know? Gotcha, um, gotcha. I think if possible, the officer should keep his hands off the nozzle, and you know and I know why, and so do many of our listeners, because he's got a lot of things to do. He's the safety officer. He's the control person. He's the incident commander. He's a lot of things. And for him to have the nozzle in his hand and be focusing on one little thing just doesn't seem right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It seems like he's got other things he should be paying attention so, to that I think so, he can pay attention to from while he's acting as a the backup firefighter. He still can be the officer. So your firefighter, right. So your firefighter's on the nozzle, working his way in there. You need more line. Captain's going to shimmy down, skinny back down the line, grab some more push in it. So he's, now he's playing about three or four different roles right there. Right. He's monitoring conditions. He's feeling for the heat. He's keeping his eyes open with the smoke movement. And then he makes his way back to the nozzle firefighter. Okay, I got a couple more feet for us. Let's go. You know, he can guide the, 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 the nozzle firefighter in, as he always does. And see, that's always been my thing. That was my thing when I talked about, you know, not really wanting the company officer, if you can make that possible. We know that there is right. 40,000 fire departments in the United States and all our brothers and sisters in Canada, all right, um, uh, but, but I don't think you can, like you said, you can concentrate as much as everything going on when you're looking on the end of the nozzle, trying to work it, do what you got to do and so on and so forth. Um, that's why I was always a big fan of let your firefighter be the firefighter. Right. And if, if anyone can multitask, I mean, my it's thing is always, so what if your firefighter is a newer firefighter? I, I don't want that, you know, let the officer be the one that's doing all the things you said, observing conditions, doing this, doing this, you know, to, and, and leave the firefighter with the nozzle and let them concentrate on fighting the fire, right? And we've both done that. When I was a captain of 48 engine, I can't tell you how many times I was shouting. And, you know, you have to shout because of the noise and the stream and everything else. Open up, Billy. Open it. Open it. Okay, good. Whoop it around. Whoop it around. A little to the left. All right, shut down. Shut down. All right, let's move in. You're really verbally guiding the whole operation, you know? along with monitoring conditions and listen to the radio, listen to the engineer outside saying, well, you know, we're losing pressure or we got a burst length or how's the pressure cap or whatever that might be. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And certainly, certainly the engine officer, the officer at the end of a working hose line is in a much better position to be calling the shots and talking on the radio and observing conditions without having a nozzle in his hand. I mean, how do, you, how do you operate the radio when you got the nozzle on your hand? Just just something as simple as that is difficult. You, yeah, exactly. You're talking about, well, now I got to shut it down or try to do this and, and key up and all this. Um, you know, and, and again, I like that, you know, there's, there's a lot of variables out to a lot of different departments, but I, I like the officer being able to play officer and a firefighter be able to play firefighter. Now, um, I, I guess the, the, the question would be where – 
if if John, I guess it's, it depends on where your nozzle. If I've got the hose underneath my right arm, kind of that way, you know, what I'm saying I'm I'm doing one of those things. I don't. And where where do you want your officer? Does it matter? Or does it matter at all where you want your people on the line? Well, listen, Good. if you have a two person hose team, if the if the officer is also the backup firefighter, then the officer's got to be directly behind the firefighter right. on the same side of the line. There's, there's not that's not that's not discussable that's not debatable okay so you know, let's go to let's go to three firefighters now you have your officer doing his thing you got the nozzleman and you got the, the the third firefighter where do you where well, do you, you want him firefighters the second one's the backup he's behind the nozzle firefighter and in how, that far? Case, how far not how far they're not the paper can't get between them right, should be right. Touching them, right i always said that the nozzle the nozzle firefighter should think the backup firefighter is starting to like him a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's what I was asking because a lot of guys, you know, I mean, they're listening to us. You, you see it. There's a lot of firefighters. You look in there and you're like, wait a minute, get up there. You need to be up there. You need to be up there on his back, you right. know, behind him, not, not 15 feet or 10 feet behind him. And that's why I was trying to, you know, I wanted you to make that point. And you still got to get a good grasp on the hose. You're still going to be holding the hose. You're still going to be supporting it and pushing it forward. But you also should be physically in contact with the nozzle firefighter without knocking them over. So right. it's a little bit of a, a waltz. It's a little bit of a dance there, you know, going on. But after you do it a couple of times, it works real well. And, of course, where does that put the officer? Puts him on the other side of the hose line, which is going to block the hallway or the area a little bit more. Because now you got two guys wide, right? But it puts him on the other side of the hose line. But frankly, his position is very fluid. I would, I would sometimes even go a little bit ahead of the line and duck off to the right into a bathroom door and, and, and still be talking. Come on, guys. Come on, forward, forward, forward. Maybe truck guys are trying to get past to do something. Or I would lag behind a little bit and, and let them get ahead of me, and then I'd catch up to them. So the officer's position is fluid. It shouldn't be nailed behind, you know, third in line, behind the, the backup. That, you just shouldn't stay there. You might have to be there for a little bit. But then you might be able to jump over the line and crawl up, get your hand right on the nozzle firefighter, say, man, you're doing a great job. Good. Let's push forward a little bit more. Or, oh, let's slow down a little bit, you know? Well, exactly. And and, and we used to teach, I mean, forever, you know, on, on, uh, you know, in the Chicagoland area and all that part of Northern Illinois, that let's say you're doing that. And like you said, the hallway's kind of plugged up with your people. And let's say you got a, you know, a couple truck guys that are low, low on air and need to come out. And they're they're kind of coming out in a hurry because they you know they want to get out there and go change their tanks or whatever they got to do or be relieved. We we used to teach John for the officer, um, or even for you know whoever's on that 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 one side that's not controlling the line, if you will, to just flatten out. If the truck guys are coming at you, come on, hey, one side we're out of here. If you can't one side, there's no bathroom to duck into. We used to teach them to just flat on their belly, just all right, drop down as flat as you can, let them crawl right over you crawl right over you and your back, your tank, and get the hell out of there. Um, and, and I make that point because for a lot of our listeners that are sitting there going, okay, wait, if I got the nozzle in the back up on the left-hand side, the officer's on the right-hand side, the hallway's plugged up. If I got two guys coming out, they, they're low on air, got to get out, go change bottles, whatever. Like I said, we used to teach, you know, that if you're, if you're on that right, the officer, just, you know what, when they're coming, we, hey, we're on our way out, flatten down, just flatten down, boom, on your belly, let them crawl right over you and get out, and then just pop back up, and off you go. That way, you know, unless you can find a doorway or something. But sometimes, There's a lot of flexibility. If there's a doorway yeah. on your side of the hallway, or you can jump over your backup guy and stand behind him or crawl behind him for a moment or two until these guys get past. Again, the local conditions are going to dictate that. So when, might, when might the backup, when might the backup on a three-man crew leave that position? I mean, what, you know, it, it, would we want him, if we need to, to kind of push back a little bit and, and try maybe grab some line and pull it around a doorway? Or 
Or do I mean, you obviously, not- they have to do what they do. Their position is flexible as well. We want to try and stay behind the nozzle firefighter as long and as much as we can. But, like, when you make a turn, that's one of the examples we use. When you make a turn, the nozzle firefighter wants to direct his line to the left. He gets to a doorway, and it's a big room, and there's a lot of room off to the left that's on fire, and he wants to direct the stream that way a little bit. Well, obviously, we want the four or five feet of hose behind the nozzle firefighter. We want to pull that off to the right a little bit so that he can direct the nozzle to the left. And that might cause the, the backup firefighter to either stay behind the nozzle firefighter and push that hose that way, or maybe he's got to jump over it and pull it a little bit, you know, in which case he's not behind the nozzle firefighter for a few minutes. But that that situation can work itself out as well. So the, nozzle, the backup firefighter might have to jump around a little bit. And if it's just a two-person team, if that's the officer playing backup, that's fine. If it's a second firefighter that's being supervised by an officer, That'll work out too, and that, that's, the, that's the benefit of live fire training and, and going to do live fire exercise or even live water exercises. Doing some nozzle techniques and nozzle operating skills, even without fire, gets you used to handling that nozzle and oh, yeah, handling yeah. the hose behind it. The nozzle reaction, the hose reaction, everything else. You know, now, let me ask you this. You're the captain of a 48-engine, and as you got your nozzle in and your backup up there, how far ahead or forward, and we've talked about this before, I've, I've got some great officers that'll – push a little bit ahead, come this way. Come on, guys, come this way or off to the side, whatever. How, how much, how much, how much uh, leash do you, do you give the officer, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? Working with the, obviously right, he can't right. abandon his crew, be by himself, but how much leash do you give him? Well, it depends on conditions. And I got to tell you, most of the time when I, when I was the officer of the engine, you know, we were going in and fighting the fire first due. If you're first due, you're going to the room that's on fire. There wasn't much room in front of the nozzle. It was the nozzle and there was fire in front of it. So there wasn't, there wasn't too many opportunities to be in front of the nozzle. Once in a while, we'd knock it down, and I'd say, hold up a second, and I'd sort of scoot ahead a little bit, like I said, to a bathroom door, four feet ahead, and I'd jump into the bathroom and say, come on, let's go, up, 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 up. And, and then, but then I'd still wait and either be next to him or sort of behind him. or even I've waited in the doorway a couple of times while they knocked down a room, you know, waited in the side doorway, and as soon as it got knocked down, you know, crawl back out, step back out, and then move forward with it again. So what do you tell the, the suburban department maybe with that the truck's not right behind them and it's just the three of them in there, the captain and the two firefighters or whatever, you know, um, that they don't maybe necessarily have the fire right in front of them right now. They hit it, you know, they got like down the hallway there a little bit. They knock it down, you know, kind of pushing it back as they're making some advances on it. You know, you could push out a little bit ahead, right? Take a quick look, a quick duck. Oh, sure. and then, you know, as long as you're... Dropping the room down, I jump into the room a little bit. And then, you know, he'll come in and make the move to turn to, you know, to turn whichever direction he has to turn. Sure, absolutely. Then you're in a big room now. Now, all of a sudden, you're not in a hallway. Every firefight's not in a hallway. Sometimes you're in a big room, and you got a lot of room to move around, you know. Right, 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 right. And you're looking for holes on the floor. Then you turn back to being the officer. Hold on, Billy. Hold on. No, no, no. Come over here. Or there's a big couch in the way or something. So suddenly you turn back into being the officer where you're helping the line advance, and you're watching out for the safety of your crew at the same time that he's putting the fire out. So the, the communication wise is just, we're, we're just, we're talking to each other while we're there and, and, and the officer, the officer's key with communicating with the firefighter or firefighters on the line with which direction they want them to go and push in and right. whether it's too far back up, you're in too far, slow down, speed up. And, how, and, and here's a question. And how does that work? That's not radio communication. No. That's screaming and yelling communication. That's you, you know, maybe breaking the seal in the SCBA or maybe just yelling through it. He's right there next to you. He's literally nine inches away. His plastic face piece and your plastic lens are nine inches away from each other, right? And you can be screaming at him, Billy, shut down, shut down. 
that's why you got to use the same terminology all the time. So he knows what shut down, yes. open up, shut down, open up. They know what it means. What else can you do? You can put your hand on it. Guys in 48 didn't like me really put my hand on their nozzle, but you could. You could tap the nozzle. Billy, left, left, and you could push it a little bit left, and he'll get, you know, not grab it and push it forcefully. Right. Tap it, bang it to the left a little bit. Billy, go left, 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 and he can feel it, and he can hear you as well at the same time. So that's a, that's a whole separate communication challenge. The, the officer and the nozzle firefighter or the nozzle firefighter and the backup firefighter, that's all yelling and screaming. I don't think I heard yelling and screaming. I've never seen yelling and screaming written down anywhere in a training manual, right? That's all yelling and screaming. Yep. Well, and that's the importance, like we said, when it comes to training, you know, what we, I used to try when I was teaching search, you know, when you're talking to your partner to kind of, I used to drag the training at you. I used to drag them up to my face, like sometimes, and slow down and talk, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, it's easier for them to listen. It's easier for you to enunciate. And again, uh, to our listeners, we've always tried to remind you, man, it, it, to do the air pack drills, do the communication drills, try talking to your radios. And then, like John said, talk face to face. Forget the radio for a second. Talk to your partner. Because the, we've said it to before, John, the guys with the deep voices have to really enunciate. Because otherwise, all you hear is, hey, come on, come on, come And you're like, what? Right. You're like, right. So you've got to actually stop down. Talk like you're talking to them through their face piece so they can hear you. And right. it's easy to just yell stuff. You've done it as you've been standing outside going, what did he just say? Right. You know, and most of the time, I got to tell you, as the engine officer with the nozzle team, most of my co communications, orders, directions, one word, you know, one or two words. Shut down. Open up. Left. Right. That's all you got to do is left, right, open, shut down. There's nothing else. We're not, there's no pasta potatoes. There's no, excuse me. There's no nothing else happening there. All we're doing is putting the fire out. All you got to do is tell them, open up, shut down, left, right. I mean, that's really all you got to tell them. And those, those, are those, words are those are those words we use when it comes to like, you know, information from interior crews. Same, same when you talk to each other, clear and concise. Don't give me the whole long story. Quick, Boom, let's go. And, and the bottom line is a lot of times we don't have a whole lot of time to break out into a storyline inside a burning building where we're working off a hand line. We've only got, a, you know, we've got a couple of minutes to take care of what we're taking care of, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, so, so anything else on the nozzle team before we finish this one up? Oh, God, there's a million things. There's a million things. I mean, sometimes you can tell what you're doing by listening to the stream. I remember hearing this from John Keenan. John Keenan was a, a, a senior guy, senior to me, certainly. Uh, but he was a battalion chief at the same time as I was. He used to teach with me, guys studying for promotion. And John used to talk about opening the nozzle and you hear it splattering. It means you're hitting a brick or a block wall. You hear right. it drumming. You hear it rumbling. You know, you're hitting some kind of, you know, uh, uh, wood. You're hitting some kind of maybe paneling or something like that. Or you're sweeping a light across and you hear it going splatter, 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 silence. You got a window opening or a door opening in front of you somewhere and the sound is telling you. Nothing else, just the sound. So learning what those sounds are. And again, you go out and practice them. Go to the schoolyard. Open up the line against the brick wall of the school, and you'll hear a splattering. Well, you know, how about this? Against a wooden, a wooden garage, you'll hear the drumming, you know? How about this? You've got a vacant building that the city's not going to let you burn, you know? And you're in there stretching hose. So throw count. some water. Throw some Absolutely. water. And, and you can do that whole thing. Doing the, You know, we didn't even talk about sweeping the floor. We didn't even talk about rotating the nozzle clockwise and, and listening to how the stream hits. So there's a whole lot more stuff that we can talk about, and we will, you know, in a, in a future podcast. But um, there's so much to know and so many things, and some of it's not doing, some of it's just passively listening to what's going on. 
Yeah, but those are little hints, John, that very few people bring up in class. I'm telling you, people don't yep. talk about listen yep. for the sounds. They just talk about pushing forward and doing this and hit the ceiling high. But, you know, the, the sounds that you're going to hear, you know, you know, we talk about all the time with search, what you should be listening to in the way of search, you know, when you're searching for people, well, even more so, you know, or just as important, I should say, is, is when you're operating the line is listening for those indicators, those little tells that are telling you, you know, where you're at and, and what you're doing. It used to be pretty easy to, you know, to, 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 I used to remember to, to kind of straight stream that wall, look, you know, and looking for a window while you're on your belly. And when you heard the glass, you know, open up big time and let it bust the glass out and, and be able to vent you can see it lift, but nowadays with thermal panes, that's getting harder and harder to do, you know, with, with some of what we have for windows. But still, even so, like I said, you got a vacant building that you can't burn in. Get in there and throw some water and listen to what you're doing. Listen to what it sounds like. You know, plus, they're going to get to see without smoke in there just how much water is splashing off a ceiling and working its way this way and so on and so forth. They go, you know, I, I, now I know I don't have to sit there with the, with the bail nozzle open for a minute at the ceiling where I know, God, look how much water I played off the ceiling and, and so on and so forth. So, yep. All right, buddy. Well, I tell, hey, any, like I said, anything else on the, uh, we could do a lot more, but uh, we're pretty close here on time wise. We want to do for it to, to shoot for an ending. Our, yeah, we'll, our, some, we'll cover some more stuff on, on another one. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Well, folks, hey, that was it. We're just a little conversation on the nozzle team. We've covered, uh, you know, stretching the lines before, and we've line selection and hose beds. We've done those past, uh, past uh, podcasts of old school. And uh, uh, this one, we wanted to get uh, just a little bit of a conversation going on the nozzle team. We hope that helped you out a little bit. Um, John, uh, we always throw our emails out there. You want to throw your email out there again, buddy? Yes. Uh, as soon as I remember it, <laughs> was it, it chiefjohnsalkatgmail.com? <laughs> <laughs> that's back to us getting there. We started with talking about being old, getting our haircuts done. Now we're at the end talking about, we can't, can't remember, remember our emails. Yeah. Hey, as long yeah. as you're not wearing your underwear outside your pants right now, you're good to go, buddy. That's but, right. We're good. We're good. But I'm, <laughs> I'm chief Lasky at gmail.com. And we appreciate you listening again, spread the word. And uh, uh, we want you to be safe. We always ask you to please keep the men and women in your thoughts and prayers that are serving our armed forces. And with that, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. God bless you.